Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado Radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning on this beautiful, beautiful Colorado day. Isn't it fantastic out? I mean, this... These are the days we live here for, and it's going to get better. You know, we go through up and down weather through spring and fall. We get some storms and could get some yet, and we'll get some bad weather. But as we get into fall, end of getting into the end of August, then September, October, some of the most beautiful, stable weather and some of the best for outdoor activities like fishing, hunting, camping. I know the kids are going back to school, but that means they're not as crowded out there. So those of you that can get out, especially during the week, it's phenomenal. And we're going to help you take advantage of all that. We're going to cover a lot of fishing today, but we are going to talk about some other things. The lack of rain has caused some issues. We're going to address that with both parks and the Forest Service, some of the fire issues and some of the access issues and some of the river issues. But we're also going to take you around the state and talk to a few people where the fishing is great. We'll get involved in that. We'll cover a lot of that today. Uh, during the course of the day today, we might have a trivia question, you know. Um, those of you that follow us on Facebook, you know, we post some information occasionally and uh, always makes it a little easier to answer and win the trivia if you follow us on Facebook. So keep that in mind. And don't forget, we're running out of time. We'll talk more about this during the show to register for the ice fishing trip, the free ice fishing trip with myself and Nate uh, that Sun Power Sports is giving away. September 1st is the deadline to uh, register for that. You can go to my Facebook page. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and find out more about it. There's actually a video on it on my page, so go ahead and take a look at that. I'm going to tell you about a special event coming up, but trigger time a little later on. And next week, we're going to do a waterfall show. It won't be entirely waterfall, but the majority of the show next week, we're going to we're going to focus on hunting waterfall right here in Colorado. But let's go right to the phones now. And uh, joining us, Guide, uh, you've heard him on this show many times in the past, Ron Lowry. Good morning, Ron. Hey, how, good morning, Terry. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, and what a beautiful—I I don't know. I know we're going to talk about current conditions, but don't you love Colorado as we get into the I, fall? There's just I, so much I, to do. I know. I, I This is my favorite time of year. I finally get goosebumps. Literally, I'm staring at my screensaver, knowing that you saved me from, uh, I guess, going out and doing some other outdoor activity just momentarily in, in sitting in front of my desk and actually getting a ton of work done. So I do appreciate that for sure. But I'm staring at my screen picture, which is the mountains fall, trees changing colors, a little bit of snow up on the top of the timberline. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so excited. And of course, I got archery elk season starting next week. So I have been just crazy crazy busy well archery elk season archery pronghorn uh the dove season starts here and we haven't had those real cold nights and here's what i i think the doves have been everywhere and you're you're a good friend of the um doug craft out at uh colorado clays dove season is like christmas to uh to doug 
And, and you know, he, yeah. he gets all excited right now. And then we're going to get two cold nights, and the doves are all going to go to the southern part of the state. But dove yeah. season, you know, we did a, a talk about that. And, you know, I, I know we're going to talk fishing, but we talked about all the hunting. Boy, if you haven't been out shooting your bow or shooting your shotgun or shooting your firearm and going over your equipment, don't wait. You know, you could just ruin an entire hunting season by that one little piece of equipment that's not right or that technique you yeah. needed to polish up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely to blame. Uh, I don't know if you remember or here in last year, I had a muzzleloader tag uh, for a mule deer, and I I've had a tradition, old traditional hawking for since I was 15, um, and the thing the two previous years gave me a little bit of a fit with the trigger. Well, this last year the rear sight fell off. Now this is still after shooting it multiple times and zoning it in, and I've been shooting very well. Um, and I was you know, definitely devastated because of the amount of work that I put just on one animal and then to have my equipment fail. And it happens, you know, I mean, I've had every piece of equipment a guy could ever have. And from rifles to scopes messing up to my art, my bows, I always carry two bows with me nowadays, you know, just because I can't afford to come down out of the mountains, go all the way to the shop and get it fixed. It's just too, too much work. But that was the only muzzleloader I had. Now I have two. So. Um, hopefully I'll protect myself from that this year a little bit. Well, you can, you know, by the way, you can shoot muzzle loaders out of Colorado clays too. A lot of places you can't. Yep. Yep. I did yesterday. You know, we had Easter seals there yesterday. I've had a kind of a busy little bit of a week with, uh, fundraising, some things that are close near and dear to my heart. I was actually able to dust off my buddy's uh, golf clubs and go swing with the 21st annual Joe Sackett, uh, um, you know, food drive for Colorado starving kids. Uh, that was a great event out at the sanctuary. And yesterday, uh, Doug Kraft had Easter seals out there, and they were all shooting uh, the clays. And I went out there and shot my muzzleloader while they were out shooting clays. So I even got to shoot that a little bit. They got a nice pistol range, that rifle range, and you know, skeet and trap are just it's it's awesome. Um, let's uh, let's get into some fishing before we run out of time, and we're going to talk here. But you did just come back from a tournament in Wyoming, I think at Pathfinder. How was the fishing at I Pathfinder? Did. I tell you, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, I was we were fishing so good, I bought ourselves in the Calcutta. So that might have been the first mistake I made, but. Uh, <laughs> The water level dropped significantly, had been dropping significantly. Um, our fish, we still were able to find them. Uh, come tournament day, um, it was a ghost town. Uh, it was really difficult. I mean, guys were guys, day one even, uh, the day one winners, they went day one and day two, they zero. There was so many zeros in this championship this year. Um, and there's these are good anglers, you know. Um, some of the guys that just have had a lot of history with Pathfinder, of course, the, the Mueller's who dominate, um, they're probably by far the best anglers I think this state has seen in many, many, many years. They're anywhere, everywhere they go, they can produce a bite. It's just crazy. Um, so they ended up coming in second, uh, surprisingly, and they just went through and some of their old school stuff that uh, they said, we'll just, you know, keep grinding it out and got on a pot of fish, caught one, turned around, threw some uh, um, moonshine shiver minnows on them and, and managed to rip two more out. So just within five minutes, they had three fish in the light well and plucked out a fourth one. Uh, somewhere down the line so it was really tough we we managed three fish day one but our all of our bites that we had we were pre-fishing uh sunday and we saw fish caught fish wasn't that we weren't catching um you know we we probably netted 120 fish 
Um, but of the 120, we had three legals. So it was, it was tough for both of us. We tried to put a lot of time and energy into it. We were really going to try to knock it out of the park, but that's fishing, you know, oh, we yeah. just got to take the grain of salt and, and don't be too humiliated. I mean, we worked really hard this year. It just, it is what it is. It's fishing is fishing. So yeah, well, let's but talk. Yeah, was, let's talk fishing around here now. While we still yeah. got time, we've yeah. uh, talked about a lot. Pathfinder sounds like it's a good, healthy fishery, the, even though the big ones were hard to come by. But let's start out. I know you fish that I seventy six corridor quite a bit. Take us yeah. up and down that and tell us what's going yeah. on. Let's yeah. Let's start with Bar Lake. Bar Lake is low right now. Uh, they are doing a little bit of rip rap work. So if everybody is out there, uh, Michelle Siebert will uh, post some pictures on Facebook. Uh, the ramp is 100% open for big boats like mine, uh, the Ranger 621. It's a little bit cumbersome to get those big boats launched, so be careful. Uh, but the ramp is open. Uh, the fishing there has been decent uh, along the dam. Um, around that middle island hump has been okay. If you can find out what side the fish are holding on. Fish that I'm relating to are... Uh, the walleye and uh, the wiper out there. The bass and crappie have been um, uh, still being caught along the dam fairly successfully. Uh, the techniques that I've been using heavily, if I'm moving around, I'm either bottom bouncing or pulling uh, crankbaits until I find and locate fish, and then I'm throwing um, different tactics on like a blade bait. Uh, jigging spoons have been actually working really well out there as well, a flutter kind of spoon. Uh, has been working very good. Moving up the I-76 corridor to Jackson. Jackson's been low. It has been fishing a little bit tough, but the wipers have been really good. The guys offshore ha seemingly have been doing a little bit better uh, early mornings and late in the afternoons on walleye. Uh, the walleye have been really been uh, hunkered into almost congregated into certain areas. The forage out there is abundant. So um, it's covering water. Cranking is probably by far your best option to really have the best success. Uh, one little tactic, I'll throw in a little uh, food for thought. Do not be afraid to pull um, swim baits on like, you know, a lead core or a fire line. Um, I've just been actually putting fire line on my spin casting gear uh, with a jig and a uh, swim bait and casting it really far out behind the back of the boat and have had very good success Plus, it's a tremendous uh, fight for my guests in the boat because they got, you know, light gear. Oh, yeah. um, North, Sterling, yep, North Sterling is doing well. Again, water levels dropping on that lake. Uh, crappie uh, and bluegill have been really, really good. The walleye have been a little bit trouble, troublesome to get to if you locate them. Um, they've typically been um, – at one, one day we had them in – four to eight feet of water, very, very shallow. Um, the very next day went out there and could not find them. They actually slipped out all the way out to about, I don't know, 18, 22 foot of water. So which is just, I don't know why they did that overnight. You never know. I couldn't put it together to really figure out what was really going on there. But the crappie bite is starting to pick up tremendously at North Sterling. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, Jumbo, um, and I'm going to jump back to one other lake. Jumbo has been fishing extremely well. Guys have been obviously trolling. They have been pulling meat out there, uh, but rod and hand has by far been the best tactic. Um, where, you know, using XPS Bass Pro Shop XPS blade bait, um, uh, Bass Pro Shop's got a jigging spoon. It's a ripping jig spoon uh, that's been doing really good out there. Um, you're also your jigging wraps um, and also uh, the uh, Acme. Um, hyper rattle has done really well out there as well and then the biggest thing is the cadence you know i've got four people in the boat and if that cadence is wrong 
nobody's catching a fish. So the fish want it a very specific way, very specific. So if you go out there, head out that way, concentrate on giving them the job interview of a lifetime. Once you figure out exactly what they need that day, try to transfer that to every cast and explain that to the guys with you, and you'll have a great day. And I think you and, wanted to talk also about the crappies at Jackson, too. Yes. We yep, skipped yep, over the yep. crappies there. Yeah, yeah, I apologize. And um, the crappie at North Sterling has been a little bit better. Sorry, I was going back over my notes. The uh, wiper at Jackson, I covered that, I hope. Yep. Jerry, I yeah, hope. you did. We talked about the wiper and the walleye, but the, we, we had some notes that there were some crappies going on at Jackson, too. Yes, yes, and they were on right up at, by the west shoreline in some brush. And what's really uh, notorious for Jackson is the weeds get pushed, the tumbleweeds, as you all know, get notoriously pushed towards the channel. And I think what's really happening is that's given them uh, great coverage, and that's what guys are just doing, um, uh, bobbers and minnows. And doing really well on that. All right, you wanted to. I know you wanted to talk about Aurora too. Let's jump to that because you're finding some unusual things. Aurora is an incredible fishery for walleyes, for bass, for perch, for panfish, for trout. What's going on there now? And there's a few things going on that you think are different than what's happened in past years. I I agree 100. Um, percent And again, you and I chatted a little bit, and I know you've got a lot more history out of Aurora than I do. We both know it's a very clear body of water. If you go out there right now, it's uh, it's not a hard green pea. It's a light green uh, pea look, um, green pea look to it. Uh, there's a lot of um, floating uh, grass, uh, weeds, that kind of stuff, a lot of it, more than I've ever seen out there. I'm getting weeds all the way up to 32 feet of water. Uh, my projection is the fact when I was out there with low water conditions early in the spring off ashore, having probably the best walleye bites I've had in many, many years, personally myself, uh, the water level was so receded that I think it gave a chance for some weed growth to start happening. Once they started raising the water, the water being very clear, those weeds were so far out there um, growing that it just naturally became uh, capable for them. We normally say light doesn't penetrate more than eight feet in the water column, but on a clear lake like that, it goes to be true that we have always had weeds in 15, 18 foot at, uh, at Aurora, but to say there's weeds at 32, actual true weeds at 32 is really tough for us to understand what's going on there but i think it's just due to the fact that the water was so low it gave that weeds a chance to prosper um so it's very spot on spot locations for fishing especially for the walleye um you know the perch out there has been phenomenal for anybody that wants to perch fish um you can do anything from drop shotting to slip bobbering to actually a very very good technique that i've been getting the jumbos on is i've been trolling small nano cranks like number four flicker sheds behind actual bottom bouncers, six foot leader behind bottom bouncers and have been uh, just destroying the jumbo perch out there. The walleye, I've been going to spots. Here's a trick of the trade. So for those that are listening, I've been going to spots that I know have always held walleye. I have not once gone over top of one of those spots. 
I come up uh, within casting distance. I cast out whatever it is I feel like has been going on uh, with the, a blade bait, a jigging wrap, uh, something that has historically done very well for me. I cast that out to those areas in the blind, but knowing that I probably had it. Maybe panoptics might help, but my larynx is way better. I probably wouldn't change for the world because I'm a down fisherman. I'm not about an out. Uh, and so long story short, those things can help you become a lot better at Aurora if you don't get up over the top of the walleye. If you get up over the top of the walleye, you're going to maybe see them in 18 feet. And the next time you see them, they're going to be slipping all the way out to like almost 60. So I don't chase walleye that go any deeper than 32 feet. Um, so I've got to leave them alone and go from there. There is an early morning, real quick, early morning stick bait bite. If you catch it, it's starting to happen. Last fall was phenomenal. Probably the best Aurora's ever produced. It's happening a little bit, but I will tell you, you're going to be very frustrated because you're going to be fighting the weeds. Right. And there are there are patches of dry or let's just say open water from that's shallow that the weeds from shoreline to the start of the weeds is open and there are walleyes stacking up between basically shoreline and the weed edge they're really probably more right on the weed edge as you cast ashore they're coming out of the weeds and hitting the bait and very aggressive the most aggressive tactic you can think of almost slack line which i don't pro always project uh would be a, a good cadence but it's just the more erratic the better chance you have a catchy one we are actually over on time ron but um a um, couple Sorry, things real quick. What yeah. what um what depth of the big perch been at? Just the depth, real yeah. quick. You bet. Uh, target twelve and and twenty eight feet. Let's just say twelve to twenty eight feet. All right, and then real quick, tell people if they want to book a trip with you, your name of your guide service and how they find you. You bet. Lowry Outdoor Adventures is the guide company. Uh, you can call me at 303-587-2245. You can also follow me on Facebook at Ron Lowry uh, Outdoors. Um, in my email, if you really, really want that, if you need to get a hold of me there, is uh, ronlowryoutdoors at gmail.com. All right, Ron, we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks, Terry. Have a good day. You bet. Ron Lowry from Ron Lowry Outdoors. You can Google that, of course. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage, special circumstance lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. 00716. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And let's get right to the phones because I want to make sure we spend some time on this topic. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Dan Brow. Good morning, Dan. Hey, good morning, Terry. You know, it's been, uh, I say this. To say, Dan, that it's been an interesting summer, especially in our river conditions, would probably be a major understatement. Um, we go through these cycles. We've seen them before where we have extremely high water. Our reservoirs are full. Our snowpack is running. And we get a little spoiled. And then we cycle back. And we get some of these years where we were fortunate going into this year there was quite a bit of water in the reservoirs. But the snowpack really never materialized, especially down in the Gunnison area where you're at. And we really want to make sure that people are aware of how this affects their recreation, especially fishing, don't we? 
Absolutely, yeah, and it's definitely been a dry year, right? Uh, one of the driest we've seen. So, so you're in the Gunnison area, and you know we've talked a little bit about some of the rivers up by the Colorado and some of the other rivers around the state. And I know that the division doesn't ever want to put mandatory fishing closures, and that's not what you've done. But you are asking for voluntary closures because the water's running warm. Tell us the basis of how you make those determinations and what people need to be aware of. All right. Generally, with low flow, and which is uh, usually uh, results in warmer stream temperatures, we do look at voluntary closures first. Generally, when stream temperatures start inching above 70 degrees, we will consider uh, putting voluntary closures on. And and uh, since streams are generally cooler in the mornings and warmer in the afternoons, those voluntary closures uh, are quite often just for afternoon hours. You know, and that's a great point because you hear some people say, well, I fish early and I fish late. Well, fishing early is great, but fishing late, that water's been warming all day. It takes significant time overnight to bring that down, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It really depends on the stream and where you are in the drainage. Uh, but most of our streams that are seeing temperature issues may start cooling uh, in the late evening, uh, near dark. But uh, really, around dinner time is when we see temperatures peak on a lot of our streams. Now, we've covered this off and on during the year, this year, this season, because it's been prevalent throughout the state. We've kind of recommend carrying a thermometer and monitoring the water. Is that an effective way to help? Yeah, it's a great way for uh, fishermen to, to kind of gauge uh, what is going on in that day because temperatures can vary quite a bit day-to-day depending on weather and other factors. So uh, it's great if you have a temperature, you can kind of assess for yourself uh, how warm things are getting. Well, I mean, we've been kind of, I know you said 70. We've been kind of saying, you know, when the water in that river starts hitting around 65, it's going to start warming up pretty quick. You probably should move up or go to a different location. Why don't you kind of bring us up to speed on what the conditions of the rivers in your area are and maybe some of the alternatives? Okay. Uh, so in the Gunnison area, uh, some of our larger stream fisheries uh, include the Taylor River, the Gunnison River, uh, and the Lake Fork of the Gunnison. Uh, generally, the Lake Fork has uh, warmed up a little bit more this year and has had warmer temperatures of greater concern. Uh, the Gunnison and Taylor, however, have remained in pretty good shape. Uh, Taylor River below Taylor Park Reservoir is really benefited by uh, Taylor Park Reservoir releasing flow uh, that is real cold. And so the Taylor stays in great shape through the summer, even in these dry years. Similarly, just downstream, the Gunnison conditions have been pretty good with with temperatures as you get closer to Blue Mesa reaching levels that uh, we're more concerned about. So on the low end, uh, folks may want to move upstream if they're fishing in the afternoon. Now, how about some of you've got some small streams with brook trout and and maybe even some cutthroats and stuff up higher in your area, maybe a hike in lake. Is that stuff been holding up pretty well? Yes, yeah, some some higher streams can uh, be impacted in particular by real low flow, but generally temperatures are a little bit better up high. So uh, most of the places that we have good numbers of brook trout uh, have colder water as well. So generally temperature would be less of a factor, but there may be some some locations where that's not the case. Uh, certainly low flow is another factor where there's there's a lot of small streams that have uh, really seen low flows and probably have seen more impacts just due to low flow. Now, um, as we head into the fall here, 
the nights are going to start getting longer and cooler, and we should see some dropping water. Of course, that's not necessarily going to help the flows because cooler nights mean if there is any snow left that it's that's not going to melt, and there's probably not much to melt anyway. Are you? Uh, can, how long? I mean, do we look for this to recover yet this year? And what are you hearing around the state? And are any areas in danger of ma- of mandatory closures? I think at this point, um, mandatory closures we will consider if temperatures uh, are reaching uh, 74 uh, and if, or if the average is over 72 degrees. It, we'll look at full closures. It can, we can put full closures based on just low flow and other things as well. Uh, but I don't expect to see uh, that occur at this point. We really have seen uh, temperatures improve as we've moved into August, For certainly in most uh, southwest region waters, uh, even the Animas and the Rio Grande that we do have voluntary closures on have seen improved water temperatures. And so at this point, we're seeing temperatures uh, max out at less than 70 degree, degrees on most of our waters. So really moving in, in a good direction with with uh, temperatures improving. And we expect to see more monsoon moisture this time of year. And so that helps too if we can increase our flows. Now, we're getting probably close to the Kokanee run, if not already starting, going to start at Blue Mesa. Is this going to affect both the run, the timing, and the quality of the fish? Yeah, we have seen Kokanee uh, begin their run. Uh, Kokanee are now up to just north of Gunnison. Uh, So they're working their way up. But uh, we do see a lot of mature spawners in the reservoir still. And uh, the upper end of the reservoir is fairly warm. So we're we're kind of monitoring situation the situation to see if those fish will move up here in the next week or two, and would expect to see that. Now, on the last thing, and then I'll let you go. We are probably we were fortunate, I guess, that we had pretty good water in most of the state's reservoirs. I'm not as in tune with how Blue Mesa was, but. Um, are we set up where we just really need some snow next year? I mean, we always need some, but how is our water levels? Have they held up or are they way below normal? Well, it's particularly particularly tough in southwest Colorado. We're in really severe drought conditions, uh, uh, really worse than up north, the northern parts of the state. So our reservoir storage has uh, really taken a hit. Uh, Blue Mesa is expected to be uh, lower than... 2002 and 2012 late this year, uh, really uh, it, close to levels that we're seeing in 1977. So uh, things are tough, and we're going to need a big uh, winter to uh, recover storage this next year. Um, all the boat ramps and things are still open at Blue Mesa, though, and the fishing is still holding up? Yeah, most ramps are still open at Blue Mesa. We do expect, though, that uh, it may be difficult to keep most of our ramps open if the reservoir level projections come to pass uh, late in September. Uh, so there could be closures of uh, most of the ramps at Blue Mesa as we get real late in the season. We'll just have to see how things go and see if we can get some better moisture to improve conditions. Dan, thank you so much. We'll keep in touch with us and we'll keep people appraised what's going on in your area. Great information helps people planning. In fact, coming up on our next segment, we're going to talk about planning on you, how you use national forest land. Dan, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Terry. Nice to visit with you this you, morning. You bet. That's uh, uh, Dan Brow from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Baby, baby, sweet baby. 
Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us from the U.S. Forest Service is uh, Lawrence uh, Luhan. Good morning, Lawrence. Good morning, Terry. You know, Lawrence, I want to preface what we're going to talk about by saying how blessed we are to live in the state of Colorado, which I believe has one of the highest percentages of public land of any state in the United States, and that includes, of course, state land, a Bureau of Land Management, and, of course, a U.S. Forest Service land. And because of that, uh, we have a lot of recreation. Maybe bring people up to speed about some of the recreation that's available on U.S. forest land. Absolutely. You're right. We have a lot of outdoor possibility in the state of Colorado. We have 11 national forests and two grasslands. That's over 14 million acres of outdoor possibility. You can come to your national forest. And when I say your national forest, I'm talking to the people that are listening to the show this morning. National forests and grasslands are all yours to go play in and discover and most importantly protect for others. We have bicycling, camping, camping in, you know, in your car, in a tent, in a trailer, cabins. Cabins are available on our national forests uh, to rent, fishing, hiking, riding a horse, hunting, viewing nature, outdoor learning, picnicking, scenic driving, water activities, you name it, you name it, we got it. No, and you really do. I mean, from, you've got, uh, I believe, boat ramps at, at lakes, you've got, Um, campgrounds. Don't you have both developed and undeveloped camping available? We do. We have about 1,600 developed recreation sites. 200 of those are reservable through recreation.gov. Before I talk to you about, you know, reserving reserving your campsites, uh, let let me tell you a little bit about the difference between a developed and a dispersed campground. So a developed recreation site that's an area that has been developed for recreation. They usually are, uh, the area is paved. There are, and there are facilities such as tables, metal campfire rings, and sometimes restroom facilities. Our dispersed campgrounds, or what people refer to as camp, uh, car camping, are where you can camp anywhere in the national forest unless otherwise posted. And the dispersed campsites are more rustic with no services. Now, when you're, so, camp, when you're camping at these sites, Lawrence, is there fees associated with some and not with others? Are they all fee-based? The dispersed campsites are typically uh, free. There are, there are fees associated with some of the developed campgrounds. So we like to say, you know, once you come up with the idea of, you know, going outdoors to enjoy an activity and you start planning with your friends and your family, Know before you go, once you nail down the area where you want to go, visit our website, Google the forest name, and start checking conditions. Check to see, you know, what is available, you know, what opportunities are available, and, and check, check the conditions. We do have several fires that are, are burning across the state. We currently have six large fires, a large fire is a fire that has consumed over 100 acres on national forest land. So we have about six of those right now, and those fires are impacting recreation opportunities. There are evacuations, road, trail, and area closures in effect near some of the campgrounds that you may plan to visit. So know before you go, once you dial in on the area that you want to visit, 
go online and check to see what's going on with that particular forest. Check road conditions, weather conditions. Be well prepared before before you head outdoors. Now, you, you talked to me in the past, and you mentioned also a site called a recreational.gov or something. Is that more for reservations than current conditions? That's another that's another resource. In addition to going to the website to to check the conditions of that particular area and to see what's available in that particular area once you identified where you want to go, then if you are going to a developed recreation site, again, that those sites have been developed. They have facilities available. Two hundred of our, our campsites and picnic grounds for individual use and or group use are reservable through a website known as recreation.gov. You go online, it's very user-friendly. Search for the, the campground or the state that you're interested in recreating in, and the options will appear, and from there you get to select, you know, the time frame of your stay. There's also a section of that website called Explore Trip Ideas. Once you click on that link on the top of the page, go to Destination Colorado, and there are a ton of, of tips for you to enjoy your stay in the beautiful state of colorful Colorado. Now, as dry as it is, I want to circle back to what you said about there are some closures for fires and things. When people do go out, I think the, we want to make sure they, they understand how dry it is and how they need to approach being outdoors. Now, obviously, you need to be aware if there's fire restrictions or what the level of fire danger is. In addition to that, what do you have to tell people about campfires and being out, you know, camping this time of the year when it's so dry? Very important question. Very important topic, especially because of the conditions that we're facing right now. So 76% of the state of Colorado is dry or experiencing drought impacts. So we are experiencing some unusual conditions. We have dry environments that require an extra level of awareness and safety um, on the part of our recreationalists. So as you plan your trip, in addition to an active fire, we may have fire restrictions in place due to the dry conditions that we're experiencing. So again, check the website to see if there are any fire bans, fire restrictions in place. If you go to an area that um, is in fire restrictions, which means there are different levels of restrictions, um, and if you are going to an area where you cannot have a, a campfire, please, please obey the restrictions there for your safety and the safety of, of the community that, that lives near the National Forest. As you know, fires know no boundary, and when they spread, they, they, they can move very quickly depending on the type of weather conditions we're experiencing. So if you go to a website, um, go to a campground that is not under any type of fire restriction that is opened, you know, please keep these tips in mind. If you can have that campfire, keep it small and clear of all surrounding vegetation, keep your campfire manageable. You know, no need to create a big bonfire. You know, a lot of people use their fires to cook or, or to keep warm. So keep, keep it at a, a manageable size. Another important tip is if you go on a hike during the day or you take a nap or go on a hike or a bike ride or get on your horse for a, for a horseback ride, don't leave your campfire unattended. Put it out. 
Take a shovel with you and have water nearby at all times. And when you leave, remember to put your fire out, dead out. And how you do that is you add water, you use your, your shovel, and you stir it. And you feel for any heat using the back of your hand, and you continue to stir it and add water until it's out cold. Okay, those are great, great tips, and hopefully everyone will follow them. We only have about a minute or two left, and I know you also wanted to touch on the fact that these these recreational areas are we want to keep them pristine. They're here for everybody, and we we hope that people will go with respect. And a couple of things I know that you think are really important when you're when you're in any outdoor environment, but especially our forest lands, and that's leave no trace, and of course respect the wildlife that lives there. Give us a quick tip about leave no trace. Yeah, again, folks, these national forests and grasslands are all yours. So take care of them. So pack in, pack out. If you come in, you know, with groceries, make sure that you pack it out once you're done. You know, dispose of the waste properly. One quick tip there is pack it in, pack it out. Before you leave, inspect your your area and make sure that you take all of your belongings. Be very mindful of where you're depositing your solid human waste. Other thing is leave what you find, you know, preserve the past, observe it, but don't touch it. If you come across, you know, a cool cultural or historic structure or an artifact, observe it. Don't take it with you. Leave it there. You know, leave the rocks, plants, and other natural objects. Don't build structures or or dig trenches. Again, minimize your campfire impacts. Use what you need. And most importantly, respect wildlife and respect other visitors. You know, we have, people are using the outdoors for different reasons. You know, some people like to hike, some people like to bike. So be considerate and respect other visitors and and protect the quality of their experience. Be cautious if you're on a trail, you know, yield to other users on the trail. And most importantly, with the wildlife, you know, we have lions, mountain lions, and bears. Oh, my. So be mindful of the fact. Be be bear aware. Don't follow or approach them. Definitely don't feed them. Observe them from a distance and uh, make sure that you're protecting your food and storing it properly. All right, Lawrence, we're out of time, but great, great information. I think the best final tip we can give is people need to go to the um, U.S. Forest Service website and just look at the resources in Colorado. And you said the best way is just Google U.S. Forest Service? Yes, or the US, USDA Forest Service or fs.fed.us. On the right side, click on the national forest that you're interested in visiting and or the state, and then from there I'll dial you in to the opportunities that we have here in the beautiful state of Colorado. All right. Lawrence, thank you so much. Great information. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, sir. Y- you bet. That's Lawrence from the National Forest Service. We have so many great resources in Colorado. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Looking out on the morning rain you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. By the way, um, I, I hope you follow us on Facebook. Uh, the way to keep track of what's coming up on this show, what we've covered, is on Facebook. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Um, we we put a link to my weekly column in the Denver Post there. We follow up on timely information we've covered on the show. We put fishing reports there. 
We also talk about what's coming up. Like next week, I'll tell you a little bit more in a minute. We're going to have a waterfowl show. And we post answers to trivia questions. Like a lot of times we'll give away, say, well, why not right now? Why don't we give away a 90-some dollar gift certificate for honey-smoked salmon? Now, where would I come up with information to give that away? Well, we've had um, three... We've had lots of major sponsors have been with us for many, many years, but we've had three that have been around a decade or more continuously partnered on this show. So I want you to text 303-713-1043. That's the same text and call number that we use on the fan, 303-713-1043. And I want you to give me two of the three that are listed on our trivia posting on the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Two of the three sponsors that have been with us for around a decade or more, and the first one to do that is going to get a gift certificate for Honey Smoked Salmon that will be delivered right to your door. You'll just have to uh, go online or call in and order it, and uh, Karen will take care of that. So 303-713-1043, two of the three Sponsors that are listed on the Facebook page under 20 Years of Terry Terry Wickstrom Outdoors Trivia. That's another reason you should follow us on Facebook. So we'll get those in. Uh, There's some other things, reasons to follow us on Facebook, too. Karen posts every time we put a television show up on our YouTube channel. Um, Our ice fishing contest with Sun is up there. You need to go look at this video. We're having a contest uh, where you get... To, one winner will get a trip for two people with Nate Zielinski and I ice fishing this winter, and you only have till September 1st to enter. Details are on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. It's a video. Go in there, play the video, get registered by September 1st. Really important. This is going to be a great time. Another thing we'll put on Facebook here in the next couple of weeks, Trigger Time Gun Club. Is having a fantastic event on the 8th of September. You know, you can only shoot there if you're a member. Well, how about if you could go there and shoot there just by buying some ammunition to try out the lanes, and while you're there, shoot some of the best handguns you can buy in America. The guns the competitors who do the three-gun and the other competition in the United States shoot. STI guns. Go to STI guns and check it out, by the way. Look at these guns. STI is going to be there September 8th. They're going to have their guns there for you to trial run. And at the same time, you can try out the range. It's going to go from 9 to 1. I don't think you need to pre-register, but I would go online to TriggerTimeGunClub.com. Give them a call and make sure you have the details straight. We're going to cover it more than the next two weeks. But what an awesome, awesome event. So follow us on Facebook. And you'll know if you follow us on Facebook, you're going to see a posting this week for all you duck and goose hunters that we're going to have a waterfowl weekend on the show next week. Uh, Brad Peterson's going to join us in this second hour. We're going to talk about that. So we have so much, so much going on that you really, really need to follow us on Facebook and find out about it. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit more about that ice fishing contest before we go to a break. Um, You know, um, you go to register. You can register by going by Sun Power Sports or you can... uh, you can go online to 104.3 The Fan and go to my page and register. 
And we're going to pick one winner that'll get a trip for two, that'll join Nate Zielinski and myself probably in December. We're going to work around everybody's schedule, make sure it's something we make it work. We're going to supply lunch. It's all-inclusive. All you're going to need is warm clothing. And we're going to take you out, not only put you on fish, but you're going to learn so much about ice fishing. But you got to register by September 1st, all right? So make sure you do that. Don't miss out. The drawing probably won't be till like October, but we want to make sure that we get you registered and we'll notify the winner as soon as we have a uh, do the drawing on that. It's going to be, the boys from uh, Sun are probably going to bring some of their, their uh, ATVs out. We're going to have a good time. Hey, we'll take a time out and we get back. We'll talk to some of the guys from uh, Tight Line Outdoors right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors.